In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age and has conceived a son. And it is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the songs that we've sung. I thank you for the scriptures that have been read. I thank you for confession of sin and assurance of pardon. I thank you for this word that comes to us this morning. Show it to us with power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Christ's name, amen. You know, many times we preachers, we begin a sermon with a human interest story. Have you ever noticed that? Some fascinating anecdote about the life of some poor soul uh, caught in an unimaginable conflict, and then we, we at least attempt to transition that story into the sermon proper. Have you ever noticed that? You will now. Um, well, friends, today our text is a human interest story. It's the human interest story. So rather than compare this story to some lesser story, let's instead let the context itself be our sermon introduction, okay? So if you don't have your Bible open, open it back up. I'll wait or click back on the app, or find the bulletin. Listen, stay in Luke for the next few minutes. Stay with me. So about 2,000 years ago or so, a young Jewish girl named Mary was alone, probably in her parents' home, in the backwoods village of Nazareth in Galilee. And this Mary, she's betrothed to the village carpenter, a man named Joseph. Now, most of you know this, but I'm going to repeat it. Betrothal was it's like a legal binding commitment between the two. Joseph and Mary would be married, but they weren't married yet. 
and they weren't living together yet. Now, both Mary and Joseph were in some way descended from the royal line of King David. But this lineage was not doing much for them. What have you done for me lately? They're in Nazareth. You see, the kingdom was, well, the kingdom was in shambles. There was technically a king over the land of the Jews. His name was Herod the Great. I'm assuming he gave himself that name. And he had been put there by the Romans. But the main thing you need to understand about the Jews and their land is this. There had not been a true prophet from God in over 400 years. No fresh word from God. There had been no reiteration of the promises of God. No reminders. At this point, those who still believed in Yahweh would have settled even for a promise of judgment. I believe that. You know why I believe that? Because for those who long for the Lord, even a hard word is better than no word at all. They longed even for a hard word from the Lord, but no word had come, and not for 400 years, not for twice America. Would God be proved a liar? Were his promises made in vain? Were God's words empty? Was his arm short and unable to save? This was a lonely time in the life of Israel. This is the world into which Mary and Joseph were born. So one day Mary was alone, probably in the home of her parents when it happened. Now look at the text. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now let's not miss this. There are three characters in this scene. Gabriel, Mary, and who? Who's the third character in this scene? Does anybody see it? It's God himself. God's the third character here. He sent Gabriel. This message comes to Mary through Gabriel from God himself. The silence is being broken. And what the angel says to Mary, it greatly troubles her. Let's keep reading. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay, someday Mary's going to have a baby, and Gabriel, as God's messenger, is telling her, name the baby Jesus. So far, so good. But then this startling visitor offers some new information. He keeps going. He tells Mary and us who this Jesus is going to be. Verse 32, look at it. He will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, I don't know how much scripture came to Mary's mind at that moment. And I don't know how much scripture is coming to your mind. So let's, let's pause here for just a minute. With each new piece of information, Gabriel's message becomes harder to believe, not easier. Harder to believe. You see, first he tells Mary she'll have a son, good. But then he tells Mary who this son will be, and with every new detail, an Old Testament promise about the Messiah is being fulfilled. Did you know that? God's promises were not in vain. He was not slow, as some call it slow. His arm was not short that he could not save. These promises of God were going to be fulfilled in the life and the person and the work of the baby Mary was going to bear, Jesus Christ. Gabriel says Jesus will be called son of the most high God. The God of Israel was called the most high. He was called that by Melchizedek in Genesis 14 and Balaam in Numbers 24 and Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3 and 4. Jesus will be the son of this most high God. What? Then Gabriel tells Mary that God will give Jesus the throne of his father David and that he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Whoa. I mean, Mary's got to be thinking, my baby, Jesus, is going to be a king? He's going to be the king? The Davidic king who was promised to the prophet Samuel? The one that God promised to establish on David's throne forever? And as Mary's trying to process this, Gabriel keeps going. He, he does not grant her the time needed to think through this. He keeps going. And this is what he says. He ends with this prophetic declaration about Jesus. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. In other words, there will be no end to the duration of his kingdom and there will be no end, no boundaries to his kingdom. No end to the kingdom of King Jesus, Mary's son. Even Rome had its limits. It had its origin and we know it had its fall and it had boundaries. It did not cover the whole earth. Jesus' kingdom would have none of these boundaries. Listen to the words that God gave the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9. In the midst of another dark time in the life of Israel, God gives this promise. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And down to verse six, for unto us a child is born. Unto us 
a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it. I don't know if Mary remembered these words of Isaiah at that moment or Samuel or Genesis or Numbers or Daniel, but something about the angel's description of Jesus struck Mary's soul. Something jarred her. And I know it because of what she said next. Look at verse 34. How will this be since I'm a virgin? (laughs) Mary, Mary. (laughs) Listen, I'm sorry. No, no, Mary, this will happen after you marry Joseph. The, The two of you will have a son and you'll both call his name Jesus. He will do and be all of these things. Is that what the angel said? Hardly. Look at verse 35. The angel answered her, this is how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see, this is why I believe what the church has always proclaimed and what the scriptures proclaim, that Jesus was born to a virgin named Mary. I believe it. I believe it because the fulfillment of the scriptures is so clear. And I believe it because Genesis 1. Listen, don't bother struggling with Luke 1 until you've struggled with Genesis 1. It's a waste of your time. You see, Gabriel's words to Mary here are an echo. This echo has traveled down the quarter of time from before time. They're the words of the creation itself. Listen, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Have you struggled with that? Listen, did you hear the echo? Now, what I am about to say, I say with great fear and trembling. And I almost decided not to say it, but I say it with the reverence that I have for these two passages of Scripture and for the God who inspired them, but I hear an echo. 
In Genesis, the earth was without form and void. In Luke 1, Mary's virgin womb is void. And no human life has been formed inside it. In Genesis 1, there was a great darkness over the world that God was in the process of creating. In Luke 1 and Isaiah 9, a deep darkness and gloom had fallen over the people and land God had created and set apart. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, giving the reader the expectation that the Spirit is about to bring form to this void. In Luke 1, Gabriel tells Mary that this miraculous conception will occur as the Spirit of God comes upon her. And the power of the Most High overshadows and hovers over her. In Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the birth of Jesus, true light came into the world. Listen to the Apostle John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, without Jesus, was not anything made that was made creation. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The conception of the human nature and the life of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit was a creative event like none since the creation of the world. Since the dawn of time. Just as the Spirit of God hovered over creation to bring form to the world, the Spirit of God overshadowed the womb of the Virgin Mary to bring forth the Savior King. And what is Mary's response to all this? Look at verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Guys, this is faith. You've read of the great hall of faith. By faith, Abraham, and by faith, Moses, and by faith, listen, by faith, Mary was faced with the impossible and she believed God. She knew it was physically impossible to conceive a child without a man, yet she believed that nothing would be impossible with God. Mary's statement of faith is beautiful. It is God-honoring. It is right. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. Do you have that kind of faith? Do I have that kind of faith? Do we want that kind of faith? You know, Mary's act of faith is more similar to what God asks of us than you might think. You see, Mary's faith was not a blind faith, was it? It was an informed faith. The God of Israel had made promises to his people of whom Mary was one. The messenger of God, Gabriel, announced their fulfillment in the coming king, Jesus. 
Mary remembered the promises of God and believed they would come to pass in God's way and in God's time. That's what God's asking of us. Let me put a sharp point on it. God is proclaiming to us this morning a message, and here it is. About 2,000 years ago, God took for himself a human nature. Through the womb of a virgin, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? He did it to accomplish what could be done in no other way, to redeem a people for himself. Our sin broke fellowship with God and only one who was fully God and fully man could serve as a mediator between the two. As John put it, the eternal son of God, Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. He came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Mary's child, Jesus, was called and is still called the son of God. He did conquer his enemies and ours, sin, death, and the devil. And God did give him the throne of his father, David. And even now, he sits at the right hand of the father, ruling and reigning. And he has begun the conquest to regain everything David lost and so much more. The rule and reign of King Jesus will expand and expand and expand until he has put every enemy under his feet. All of creation is his and one day it will be remade and his rule and reign will be manifested before every human angelic eye. Everyone. Do I have to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus to be a Christian? Well, let me ask you. If you won't believe God's words to Mary, what will you believe? Will you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing? Will you believe that a 99-year-old man and his 90-year-old barren wife would bear a son in their old age? Will you believe that God covered the entire world with water, saving only Noah and his family? Will you believe a Nile turned to blood or a parted Red Sea? Will you believe water from a rock or manna from heaven? Will you believe that God provided a great fish to save Jonah from certain death? Will you believe in a young boy who slept unharmed in a lion's den or three men thrown into a furnace without even a hair on their heads being singed? Will you believe that those three men were thrown in and then a fourth was seen walking around with them? Will you believe in trumpets that tumble city walls or lamps that never run out of oil? Will you believe in fire from heaven? Will you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Will you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? 
Will you believe in your own? You know, I've thought a lot about the end of my life. And one day, and it might be today, I will breathe my last breath in this body. And a second later, I will face one of two, what I think, two possible eternities. The first is darkness. If the new atheists are right, and they're brilliant men, but if they're right, my earthly life will be over and there will be nothing else. Just darkness again. It's the logical outworking of a purely natural universe, darkness and nothing. No me, no you, no anything. But there's a second possible eternity. (laughs) The second possible eternity would be experienced in the presence of the risen and reigning King, Jesus Christ. It seems impossible that this soul, which a few people on this rock called earth know as Eric Parker, will be separated from this jar of clay and yet, yet, will remain in the presence of Jesus Christ until he returns and makes all things new. At which point I will be made new. And you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, will be made new. If the scriptures are true, and I believe they are, we will be remade in his image without the work of a father or a mother, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. It seems impossible. But Gabriel told Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Mary confronted the impossible and her response was, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Everything that you've said, let it be true. This morning, I want to tell you, I stand with Mary. I do. And like I said before the sermon started, it doesn't mean I don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that I don't have fears. It doesn't mean that I don't stay up at night thinking about these things, but I stand with Mary, the virgin, the mother of Jesus Christ. I'm faced with the impossible. One day, (laughs) Jesus Christ, who I believe was resurrected and ascended back to sit at the right hand of his father, will return and will make all things new. That though I die in Jesus Christ, I will live again. And I say with Mary, let it be to me according to your word. And what are these words that I'm holding on to? They're the words of Gabriel for Mary. They are. But they're not just the words of Gabriel that I'm holding on to this morning. And that I offer to you to hold on to. It's the words of Jesus himself. Words like this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go, if I, Jesus, go to the Father and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I'm holding on to that today. Words like, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Words he spoke before he called Lazarus from the tomb. I'm holding on to that. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm holding on to that. True light, who gives light to every man, was coming into the world. I offer you Jesus Christ this morning on the authority of his word. Embrace him. God has set his king in Zion, his holy hill. Behold King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are holding on to your word. We are holding on to Gabriel's words to Mary and we're holding on to Jesus' words to his disciples and to Mary and Martha and to a thief on a cross. We doubt toward you, Lord. Give us the faith of Mary. Let it be to us just as you have said. And we pray in the name of our risen and ruling King, Jesus Christ. Amen.